Hello, EDLE5680. This is Dr. Burkett uh, coming at you with another podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you, some of you are liking these. I, I enjoy doing them. It's, it's an opportunity for me to, again, sort of lecture and talk about some things that are on my mind without you know just necessarily just staring into a camera and, and talking. It just, uh, it just feels strange. I mean, if we were in a classroom environment, it probably wouldn't feel so strange if you were, you were here. But but it also gives a chance to sort of record these thoughts, these lectures, these, this food for thought as, you, as you're working through these assignments. So I want to talk a little bit about today about teacher evaluation. And I know that's something that's probably near and dear to your heart right now as you are probably either you just you had yours done or it's about to be wrapped up or wherever you are at this point. I just wanted you to consider this question, a very simple question is uh, what's the point? What do you think is the point of teacher evaluations? What's because it feels honestly like it just feels routine. It feels like one of those things that principals are trained to do, and it's kind of a chore. You, you, maybe you're forced to do walkthroughs, or you're forced to sit down and do a 45-minute evaluation. And I, I don't mean to speak flippantly about teacher evaluations because they're important. It's it's studied. There are systems in place. Lots of rubrics are used. Every school district does something different, and every school district is geared to improve teacher evaluation in some sort of way from their perspective. And so maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. That's a whole other debate. There are consistencies in some school districts, and there, there are inconsistencies in others, and some are merit-based, some are not. Um, so we're not here to debate that necessarily, and I know that's a consideration, but I just want you to think about what's the point. What's the point of teacher evaluations? Once a year, you have it, you have it completed, and then at some point, you know, it's reviewed with you, and, and you're, you're provided with hopefully some instructional coaching at the end. Of, here's some things I think you can improve upon. Here's some things that I think you're doing well and it's tied to some sort of uh, arbitrary rubric. But again, is it really accomplishing the goal that it's supposed to accomplish? And that's the kind of the million dollar question. And it may not be accomplishing that goal for you personally as a teacher. Or it could be that you don't trust your evaluator. You don't feel like your evaluator necessarily understands the tool that they're using or what it is that they're, they're evaluating, the instruction that they're actually looking at. Case in point, I have a couple of examples to this just sort of to kind of give you the food for thought and provide, you know, get the wheels turning a little bit. Early in my principal career, I was principal of a bilingual camp. And so to have to do teacher evaluations in a bilingual classroom is, is awfully difficult because I, I'm not bilingual. I'm not bilingual, I'm not biliterate. And if I decide to walk in and do an evaluation or a walkthrough on a bilingual teacher, I'm really not really necessarily evaluating the language or the structure or the vocabulary or the comprehension or the content. That's not what I'm looking at here. I have to base what I'm understanding is happening in the classroom on whatever our bilingual system is, whatever our bilingual instructional philosophy is, and I have to marry that with my expectations as a principal. So that if I go into a classroom, I know that I'm looking for certain things, and we've talked about this in our other classes. If I'm looking at instructional improvement and there's those four or five instructional high leverage practices that are sitting in the back of my pocket that I know I want teachers to be good at, those are really kind of the things I'm looking But that's that's Dr. Burkett doing that. That's not, you know, I'm not looking at, a, I'm not using a firm rubric or some sort of a established research-based teacher evaluation system, I'm really just evaluating based on what I think I know about good instruction. But the question is, how did I get to that point? Was it because I was a good teacher a long time ago? Is that where I got that instructional knowledge? Or 
Have I been through extensive training or uh, in either graduate work or you know district provided training or conferences? Where did that information come from? Where, what point did I become equipped to evaluate a teacher? And that's where the principalship is heading. The principalship is heading in a direction where the expectation is, and, and you're seeing this in your as you get ready for your 268 test, we've talked about it, you see it a lot in all of our classes, the principal must be an instructional leader on the campus. The principal must be in a position where they can establish coaching for improvement for their teachers. Here's another example. Years and years ago, when I was a classroom teacher, one of my last years as a classroom teacher, I was working in the Irving Independent School District, and, and Irving at the time was exploring this idea of merit-based pay. There was a lot of discussions about merit-based pay, and they wanted to sort of pilot a, a program whereby teacher evaluations were going to be tied to merit. And I remember in the faculty meeting that you know this was announced and you know this this was being explored. There were a million questions. You can imagine what uh, kind of things were being asked. Who's doing the evaluation? What will be the evaluation? Will student test scores be included in the evaluation? How much do I get? How much can I earn? What happens if I don't meet the standard? I mean, all of these questions. And it really all came down to, not necessarily whether you believe in merit-based pay or not, because the jury is out on that. There were so many teachers, at the time, they were against it. They just flat out were against it. I bet they would change their mind today. I know I've evolved on the issue. Too. However, it really came down to a sense of, what are you using to evaluate? Because I teach this course, course A, whatever the course is, but my colleague down the hall teaches course B. We don't teach the same way. Many of our teacher evaluation systems are based upon a concept that instruction is instruction. Good instruction is good instruction. We've provided you books and text on that, you know, Marzano, and we've talked about all those things. What does good instruction look like? All of those aspects, all of those traits can be employed in any classroom. It doesn't matter what the classroom, from kindergarten, math, all the way up to senior level biology or senior level science. It doesn't matter what it is. You can employ those instructional strategies and they're going to work. But the question has always been, when it comes to evaluating me as a teacher, which is the most appropriate method to do that? Because the moment you walk in to do an evaluation, I may not be doing the lesson that fits that evaluation. I may not be working with students that fit, that fit that particular evaluation. And what if I have special ed students that day and the kind of instruction I have to do does not fit the rubric that you're bringing in to do that. So my argument on this, and again, just to generate your thinking on teacher evaluation, it shouldn't be about evaluation. It really should be about coaching for improvement. And how do you do that? You do that by arming yourself with good coaching information, arming yourself with good definitions of what instruction looks like. Because true teacher evaluation doesn't happen on a singular day for 45 minutes. True teacher evaluation should happen over a period of months, possibly even years. Remember, teaching is a practice, and that's what it's called. Much like doctors practice medicine, teachers practice teaching. So it takes time to get better. So you're certainly not the teacher you were the first year you walked into a classroom. The longer you do it, the better you get at it. What you're hoping to get out of evaluation is the little tiny pieces of coaching that are going to make you a better teacher from one day to the next, from one semester to the next, from one year to the next. What I encourage you to do is you think about good teacher evaluation and what your philosophy is going to be and how you approach teacher evaluation because you're going to have to do it. You're going to be expected to do it once you get your first AP job. 
it's going to be divided up. You're going to be doing this many teachers, you're going to be following this protocol, and you're going to be expected to do so many walkthroughs and so many observations, etc. It's just going to be part of your assistant principal and your principal life. But your approach to it should be a coaching for improvement approach. And if you're not comfortable with that right now, I want to encourage you to get comfortable at least with the language of coaching. So back in module three, I provided you with three rubrics. There are three rubrics that I want you to go back and review right now as a part of this module and it's under class resources. There's the Danielson rubric, the NIET rubric, and then the Robert Marzano Science of Teaching Framework. Now, as I explained in the instruction podcast, what I love about Danielson is that it actually illustrates for you what instruction should look like, what a classroom structure should look like. So if you're walking into a situation where classroom management isn't where it should be, or the structure of a classroom is just sort of in disarray, you've got something that you can use to help evaluate a teacher and do that. It may not be part of the rubric that you use for full teacher evaluation, but it's, act, it's something you can use if you need something to help tell this teacher that what you're seeing is not quite working out. The other rubric is the NIET rubric. That's the National Institute for Excellence in Teaching. It's my favorite rubric. It's the best. PDOS, actually the old PDOS, but uh, the T-Test rubric is actually based from the NIT rubric. You might see some similar language. What I love about this rubric, and you just want to take it, copy it, keep it in your office somewhere, just have it in your back pocket. It's got the coaching language built into it. The words, the phrases, the ideas that you need, that when you see a deficit in the classroom, you can approach it the right way. You can approach it in an improvement sort of way. That when you walk in and you see these things fall in a less than neutral area, kind of low, You've got some language to help boost that teacher to the next level. It actually tells you and shows you what are some things that you can do to make that teacher better. I would advise you to have these rubrics on hand so that when you do walkthroughs and you see good things and you see not so good things, you can actually tie it back to something. I wouldn't tell my teachers that I'm using it because it's for me. It's my tool. These are tools that I'm using as a campus evaluator to make my teachers better. And so that if I see a particular deficit, I know how to measure it, I know how to have language to address it, and then I know how to look for the improvement next time. That's why these rubrics are different than the ones that you've probably been seeing and using. You'll see that that's why these, these rubrics are slightly different than the ones that you're used to, the ones that you've been seeing and have used for your evaluations. These actually provide some language that, that will help you coach a teacher. For example, if you take a look at the NIET rubric, there's an area called lesson structure and pacing. And if you walk in, the lesson's not started promptly, it has no structure, maybe missing a closer, some introductory elements, those are documentable things. You know, if the pacing's not there, routines are not in place, you now have some language. You can move this teacher from that lower level of significantly below expectations, and you want them at a certain level, so now you can move them up, and you have the language there to help coach them. This gives you that coaching link. That's why I like this rubric so much, because it's a tool for administrators, and I think more administrators should be using it. Because if, if the goal is, if the end goal is to actually help teachers get better, how do we do that? Without arbitrarily putting people on the spot and saying, well, you're not doing this or you're not doing that. If you walk in and you observe something happening or not happening, how do you coach that teacher for improvement without actually having something in place that you know represents a good instruction? We can talk good instruction to the cows come home, but it's got to have a definition and it's got to have a common definition. And I think that when you become a principal long down the road, that's going to have to be a serious discussion you have with your assistant principals and your instructional coaches. 
you've all got to have a common definition of what instruction looks like. Because I got to tell you, everyone's coming in with a different definition. And that's what's impacting students. It's like, well, I see instruction as this, or I see instruction as that. You probably hear these conversations in your PLCs. You probably hear people going, well, I think this is what good instruction is. And then they spout off probably something that's not even instruction. Well, these research-based rubrics spell out what good instruction looks like. It's been measured, it's been published, it's, it's been used, and it shows that students can achieve from it. So I'm giving these to you as tools to use in your administrative career so that you can have some language to coach for improvement because it is vital so you can help students and teachers get better. That's all it is. So I want to encourage you as you think about what's the point of teacher evaluation, when you get to that point where you're actually doing the work of evaluating teachers on your own, set yourself up for some success by giving yourself a couple of tools to help you be a better coach. Thank you for your time. Look forward to seeing you in the next class. Take care of yourself and each other.